going to read Genesis 31 and the first 21 verses. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the street ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore street young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. And where you made a vow to me, now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does not regard us as foreigners. Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels and he drove all his livestock ahead of him along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padam Aram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to, to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, and crossing the river, he headed for the hill country of Gilead. So reads God's precious word. Thanks be to him for it. We're going to, last time that, that we were in Genesis, we, we noted that the time came when Jacob wanted to return home. He wanted to go back to Canaan. He had promised at Bethel that he would return. And he speaks to Laban, who understandably doesn't want to lose such a good worker. And so some kind of deal is then done regarding the, the, the keeping of certain sheep and goats. Laban, being the kind of guy that he was, ignores the agreement and he tries to once again deceive Jacob and Jacob cottons on to what he's doing and uh, we saw last time that he uses some kind of weird concoction of fresh cut, cut sorry fresh cut branches from from various trees he peels them he places them in the watering troughs and and he was very successful in in the breeding 
of animals. I trust you're still kind of keeping up. And as I said last time, I don't quite understand, in fact, I don't understand at all how that worked. Yeah, actually, verse 10 of what we read gives us perhaps something of a clue because Jacob tells us that during the breeding, during the breeding season, he once had a dream concerning the mating of streaked, speckled, and spotted animals. So perhaps what he did, he did on account of a dream and he was being obedient to God. Anyhow, we're going to move on from the mating habits of sheep and goats. Jacob becomes very wealthy. Or as verse 30, 43 sorry, tells us, exceedingly prosperous. Which in itself brings other issues and problems. And again, we are faced with how are we to act in such situations? Do we react? And while last time, if you recall, we looked at things from Jacob's stance tonight, I want us to look at it in some ways from God's stance, from God's angle. Just two things to look at. Firstly, we see from these verses that God speaks. Jacob finds himself in a far from friendly environment. There appears to be now a certain amount of, of jealousy within the family that was leading to resentment. His brother-in-laws are far from happy because they see Jacob prospering and they see their father not prospering, which obviously meant that they too would not prosper. Basically, what they are watching is their inheritance slipping away. And Jacob notices the change in attitude. And it's at that time, that time, that God speaks to him and tells him what he wanted to hear some time ago. Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. And what we find happening is that Jacob, on hearing God speak, he responds. And he has a kind of family gathering. He explains the situation to both Rachel and Leah, and we'll pick up on that in a little bit later. And they agree, and, and preparations are made to leave, or actually more accurately, to flee. And as we look at verses like verse 3, where, where we read, Then the Lord said to Jacob, we can, or at least I do at times, perhaps think, albeit wrongly, if only God would speak as clearly as that to me. I don't know if you've ever thought like that. Especially so when, as with Jacob here, things are really difficult. Jacob, Jacob is wanting to move on. Jacob's wanting to return home. But he is, I guess, looking for guidance. And it eventually comes here in verse 3 when the Lord speaks to Jacob. And the question that I asked of the text 
as I was studying this week, it's always good to ask questions of the text. The, the, the question that I asked of the text is, is, well, how did the Lord say what he said? How did God speak to him? We know that it wasn't a dream because the writer would have told us so because he's done so in the past and indeed he does in verse 10. And so I can only assume that Jacob, as with others in the past like Abraham and Isaac, actually heard an audible voice. And that is when we can get perhaps a bit envious and kind of think, wow, if only God would speak to me like that, then I would know clearly. I tend to think it would probably scare the living daylights out of us, to be perfectly honest. Yet it's my experience, and you might be different, but it's certainly mine that God today doesn't audibly speak as in us hearing a voice just as you are hearing mine now. I'm not saying it can or in very extreme situations doesn't. But in general terms, we have to say that the guidance Jacob got from the audible voice of God was far more the exception than the norm. So that being the case, we need to ask ourselves another question. We need to ask ourselves, well, how does God speak to us today? How can we know God's leading? How can we know God's guiding as we seek to live out our lives for him? Well, I want to suggest to you this evening that he does it in much the same way as he did with Jacob. For when we read this account, and when we look at the previous chapter, we see three things happening in Jacob's search for guidance. Three things that God, I believe, still uses today. And they are this. The inner desire of our hearts, the outward experiences and circumstances of life all around us, and thirdly, and by far the most important, the truth of his word. And I think God, I believe God still uses these three things. And I would contend and very strongly do so that, as I said, the third is by far and away the most important. I'll come back to that. I will spend more time on it in a few minutes. But let me suggest that just as with Jacob here, see, it was Jacob's desire to go back. And very often, God uses that inner desire within us to, to make us more open to what he actually wants to say to us. Take, take Jacob here. He had a desire. Indeed, his heart's desire was to return home. Psalm 34, verse 7 says this, brothers and sisters. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I want us to notice the order of that verse because the order of that verse is so important. It doesn't say, as is often quoted, the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. No. 
the proviso there is, if you delight in him. You see, the delighting in him leads to the desiring that we look for. But we have to be honest, don't we? And, and we have to confess that not all the desires of our hearts, and we all know our hearts, not all the desires of our hearts are of and from God. That is why, as we will see, God's word needs to be our final rule. Because God's word will never approve of anything that runs contrary to it. We need reminded of Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So we need to keep that proviso there. Yet, as we delight in the Lord, as he puts things in our hearts, so often the process of him speaking to us begins. You need to forgive the, I, I don't usually like to use too many personal illustrations. You'll need to forgive it tonight because it's very personal, obviously. That is how God began to speak to me regarding ministry. He put the desire within me. Not, not to stand up in front of people and, 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 and speak. Just a desire that his word may be faithfully preached, preferably by others, and probably thinking that as well. So if God, if God is putting a desire within your heart, then test it. See if it is from him. Because he gives us the desires of our heart. However, not only is it from within the desires of our heart, it can also be from outward circumstances. That is what was happening here. Things were changing. Attitudes were hardening. That the outward circumstances were beginning to speak to Jacob. And again, that is what was happening to me. My regards to, to God's calling upon me. I admit that, that hindsight is wonderful. But it all began when, when completely out of the blue, I got made redundant. And I struggled, really struggled to get a job for over a year. Then even after that, everything was still very unstable. I was deeply satisfied, sorry, deeply dissatisfied. There were other things in the circumstances all around. I ended up doing more kind of leading of services. That There was even one bizarre moment when for no or what appeared to be no apparent reason and to my utter amazement, I was asked to take a funeral service. And in all of these outward circumstances, God was speaking to me. Now again, we have to be very careful, and again, it is where ultimately God's word has got to have the final say, but he does use, I believe, outward circumstances. 
He does from time to time shake us up. He does from time to time bring us out of our comfort zone. What a comfort zone I was in when I worked for Smith's Chris. It was a great job. Brilliant job. Home every night. Company car. No worries. God was using circumstances. Perhaps he's doing that with you tonight. Those inward feelings. Those outward circumstances. You don't understand the why of it all? Well, maybe God's trying to get your attention. However, as I have maintained throughout, and I would not want in any way, shape, or form to be misunderstood tonight, the overriding way that God speaks today is through his word. And we looked at that a little last Sunday morning, I think it was, from Psalm 147, where in verse 19 of Psalm 47, we read that he, that is God, has revealed his word to Jacob. And, and there we saw that, that he is the God who reveals himself, and most notably so, in these last days, he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Hebrews 1 tells us. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So if you want to know what God is saying to you, if you want to know and discern God's will, and God's will will not take you where God's grace will not sustain you. If you want to know his will, if you want to hear him speak, then pick up this book and read it and pray over it. For as Jesus says, these are the scriptures that speak of me. And it's important that we spend time in his word. It's important that we read it. It's important that we love it. It's important that we learn it. It's important that we live it, that we obey it. The psalmist tells us, your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light upon my path. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have you known that? Have you known how God's word just kind of comes and it speaks and it's as if you actually did hear the voice of the Lord? Well, you have this book. It is living. These words are life-giving. We have it in our hands. The very words of God. You see, brothers and sisters, and this is important, this, just, this Bible just doesn't contain the word of God. It is the word of God. All, Paul tells us in Timothy, doesn't he? All scripture, and in the original Greek, the word all means literally all. 
All Scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching and for rebuking and for correcting and for training in righteousness. And very often we just stop there. But you know, the next verse goes on to tell us why God's Word is God-breathed and why it is useful for all of these things. And it says this, so that the man, so that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And strange as it might seem, I would argue and strongly that we have got much more than Jacob had. We have the full word of God And it is to it that we bring our heart's desires. And it is to it that we bring the outward circumstances of life as we seek to hear today the voice of God speaking and leading and guiding as we seek to follow him. There was one other thought that that occurred to me in, 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 in this regard. And it's this. Do you notice how Jacob upon hearing God's word before kind of obeying it, before setting out, he goes out into the field, obviously where Laban and the brothers couldn't hear or see them, but he goes out into the field and he calls a family get together and, and, and he shares with both Rachel and Leah what God has told them. I think that is good counsel. To seek not so much the approval of others. If God's clearly told you something, you know, you don't need the approval of others. So not so much the approval of others, but actually to ask their advice. And and and, and again, uh, forgive me, but I go back to that time when after sensing both the inner desire and the outward experiences. And then, and I've shared before in a Premier Inn in Inverness, clearly God's word speaking to me about my, and confirming my call uh, to ministry, I sought the advice of others. I spoke to those that I trusted knowing that they would be open and honest in their response. That is why, brothers and sisters, having someone or having a small group of people to whom we can be accountable is so important. That you can meet with, that you can pray with, that you can share with. That's what Jacob is doing here with Rachel and Leah. And don't you just love Rachel and Leah's response? Notice it there at the end of verse 16. Do whatever God has told you. There's a verse for us all. Do whatever God has told you. That's the best advice of all. Are you doing that? 
as God, through inner desires, outward experiences, and ultimately through his written word speaks. Are you being obedient? Then in verses 17 to 21, they, they kind of tell us how Jacob um, obeys what God tells him, albeit kind of by fleeing, <laughs> rather than, 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 than going and, and, and saying, Laban, we're off, see you later. We're told that Rachel, before she goes, she steals household gods, and we'll see what happens about that in a few chapters on. And off they head. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, God speaks. The question is, are you listening? We sang there, Master speaks, thy servant heareth, waiting for thy gracious word, longing for the voice that cheereth, Master, let it now be heard. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? God speaks. Secondly, and I assure you, much, much more quickly, not only do we see that God speaks, but we see something that we have seen time and time again, but it's well worth bringing out because it's there in, in the verses, and it's this, God sees. Life at times, if we are honest, can be downright rotten. We can be discouraged. We can be under stress. We can be under strain. We can be facing illness or, or, or a whole, whole myriad of difficulties. These past years could not have been easy for Jacob. Laban was deceiving him time and time again. His brother-in-laws were beginning to be really envious of him. And in these kind of circumstances, we can begin to wonder, does anybody else see? We can, be think, we can begin to think, does anyone else care? We'll notice the end of verse 12. Can I forget a little bit just now about the going back to the street speckled and spotting cattle, but look at the end, the last few words of verse 12. I have seen all that Laban has been doing to me. Can you imagine how reassuring, how comforting, how encouraging these words must have been to Jacob? Jacob, Jacob, I have seen, I know what Laban has been doing to you. And I'm going to do something about it. And the really, really simple Yet I trust and pray encouraging, 
comforting and uplifting point is this. Quite simply, brothers and sisters, God has not changed. And God would come to you tonight. And God would say to you this evening, whoever you are, and whatever it is you are going through, God will say, I have seen. God sees all that you are going through. You know, that was a word, literally, for me this week. Things have been hard, and things have been difficult in just about every area of life. Well, God has seen. And God does see. And in his time, and in his way, God will respond. You see, Jacob's God is our God. And he is the God who speaks. And through our inner desires, through our outward circumstances, but primarily through his word of truth, And he is the God who sees. Take comfort. Take encouragement. Take strength from these great truths that we find in these verses here in Genesis 31. Let's pray. Father.